Well, welcome to our midweek service at Graceway Baptist Church. If you are a member, we're glad that you're here. Uh, that's a great blessing to us. Your support just means so much, and we appreciate you tuning in for these things and pray that they feed you and bless you, and we also appreciate your prayers. If you're a uh, non-member, we're glad that you're taking a look at us, and if we can answer any questions or help you in any way, we would certainly uh, love to do that. When we think about our church, we kind of uh, formulate what we do around these things. Number one, we want to exalt Jesus Christ, and that's the purpose for this service. That's the purpose of this video and uh, everything else that we do. And if we fail to do that, then we've missed the mark. Some churches, uh, it seems as though they aim at pleasing people and ministering to people. And we understand that. We don't want people to be unhappy. And we want people to be ministered to and all of that. But in my mind, that seems to fall short of where we are. In fact, the Bible defines sin like this. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we don't want to miss the glory of God. Everything is aimed at that. Secondly, we believe that it is our calling to equip believers. To equip believers. To feed them so that they become knowledgeable. To feed them so that they can grow and mature and reproduce themselves. And be disciple maker, makers as well as personal disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so everything we do is with the idea of glorifying God by building up his people, feeding his sheep, um, helping them to grow. And then thirdly, we believe in evangelizing the lost. We believe in the Great Commission. We believe in obeying the Lord when he said that we are supposed to, well, to share our faith going into all the world. <clears throat> we also believe that the way that we live, the way we conduct ourselves, the decisions we make, all of that has to, uh, has to do with glorifying God by drawing attention um, to him. Think about what Jesus said, let your light so shine before men so that others will see, I mean, they've got to see it, your good works, and then what's the goal? And glorify your Father which is in heaven. And so everything we want to do on a personal level, the way we conduct ourselves in our marriage, in our morals, in our parenting, in our finances, our personal life, and as well as outreach to the community through our Mission 405 Food Pantry and things like that, is to draw attention so that lost people will see our good works, but we don't want to leave it there. We want to glorify our Father, which is in heaven. And then the fourth thing that we want to do is we want to be a church that engages the culture, however that may be. You know, sometimes we're called to confront and to point out sin and evil and corruption and wrong and falsehood. But that's not all we do. Uh, I was reading in the book of Acts, particularly in the second chapter, and it talks about the early church continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. I always get these out of order. Um, in prayer, in breaking of bread and fellowship. 
And uh, it talks about the unity that they had and the number of souls that were being saved and all of that. But also in that chapter, it talks about them uh, having favor with all the people. We are not here to antagonize. Now, we may. And uh, sometimes truth hurts. Sometimes truth will uh, rub people the wrong way. There's an old story about a preacher one time that standing by the back door and a lady came out and said, I'll have you know your sermon rubbed me the wrong way. And he just said, then turn around. And uh, that certainly is true. There are a lot of things that we find in the Bible, in the Word of God, that will rub the culture the wrong way because they're going the wrong way. We don't do that on purpose. And we don't do that with a goal. We don't go, for example, we don't go to seminary as pastors and have a class in how to antagonize the culture and lost people 101. I mean, we don't do that. And in fact, we would love to be able to talk with them, to love them, to get along with them, to dialogue with them and uh, point them to the truth of salvation by grace through faith in Christ. And uh, yet at the same time, Sometimes that's not possible. So we operate by the uh, command of the Apostle Paul as much as it is possible, be at peace with all men. But we don't want to do that by isolation. We want to do that by engaging other people, carrying the gospel to them. And if, uh, you know, there are some people that, what are you going to do to try to get the gospel of Christ to them? Well, there are some times when you can be very upfront, confrontive, and uh, just talk to them. You may not have much time. You may never see them again. And so sometimes you just go up to them and, and say, Hey, I'm you know, happy to see you, and um, I've never met you. My name's Greg, and uh, what's your name? And I notice you're here quite often, you know, maybe waiting for a bus or something like that. Um, and I've only got a... A couple of minutes, could I just ask you, do you ever think about spiritual things? Do you ever think about heaven? Where would you go if you died or something? Certainly we do that. There's a place for that. But there's also a place for being kind, ministering to people, serving people, helping people. Um, You may have a person in your neighborhood that you find out that they've lost a loved one, maybe to COVID-19 or something else. Well, what in the world is wrong with baking a cake or a pie or something like that? Taking it over to them and saying, I'm so sorry for your loss. And as you do things like that, as you mow a neighbor's uh, grass in the summer, as you do kind things for someone, stopping and helping someone change a tire or whatever it may be, when they ask the question, why are you doing this? That's a door that's open wide enough to drive a Mack truck through. So those four things are what we want to do. And I say that because if you're a guest who's watching, tells you a little bit about what we're striving to do. I wish we were perfect. I wish we were better at it, but that's kind of where we're headed. I also want to say if you're a member, I hope that that sort of reiterates what we're trying to do and who we are so that uh, you will be a little bit more intentional, take steps this year to try to implement those things in your life. But here's why we're talking about that. None of those four things are going to amount to a hill of beans without 
the power of the Holy Spirit on your life. So you've got to be right with God. You've got to be walking with God. You've got to be feeding your soul. You've got to be dealing with sin in your life. You've got to be weeding it out and confronting it and battling it. You've got to have the armor of God on. All of those kind of things. And then secondly, I think you have to have the right attitude. I think that even when believers try to do the right thing, but they do it with the wrong attitude, the wrong spirit, they come across the wrong way, why would anybody want to listen to us? You know, there are some times when uh, we come across, I'm sure, to lost people and uh, you know, in, in a way where we try to say, what you need is what I've got. And they probably look at us and say, ain't interested. Don't want it. You know, uh, the Apostle Peter said, we're to always be ready for the hope that is within us so that we can give an answer to it. Well, an answer is, uh, it's the Greek word apologia. It's a defense for the hope that is within us. You know what uh, I'm concerned about? I don't find very many people that are all that interested in the hope that we have. And maybe the reason is, is we seem so mean, negative, sour, joyless in our life. Can we remember that in Galatians 5.22, when the Bible describes the fruit of the Holy Spirit, it says love, and right after that, it's joy. Where is the joy of the Lord in our worship? Where is the joy of the Lord in our relationships? Where is the joy of the Lord in the way we interact with other people? And uh, I think in the world, this dark, confused, divided, and let's face it, angry world in which we live, if there were a group of people that had genuine joy, the joy of the Lord, and they were living life and interacting with other people in a joyful way. You think that might get some attention? And do you think maybe some people might say, why is it that you are so joyful? Why is it that you seem to be able to deal with all of the stuff going on in our world and you're not unhappy about it? You're not angry. You're not frustrated. You're not... What, what would happen if that were taking place. Can I also get a little more personal? What would that do to your household? What would that do to your little kids? What would that do to your grandkids? What would that do if they really saw in you, in mama and daddy, the joy of the Lord? Because, you know, evangelism really needs to be in our own home as much as it uh, does anywhere else. And so with that in mind, let's turn in our Bibles to a psalm that talks about that, and it's uh, Psalm 33. And we'll just look at a few verses um, in this today, and we'll think about the command that the uh, psalmist gives here. And you're going to recognize the fact that right off the bat, the very first verse, it sounds like the Apostle Paul. wonder where he got it. Might have been from this psalm. And it says, Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous. For praise from the upright is beautiful. 
Praise the Lord with the harp. Make melody to him with an instrument of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his work is done in truth. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. And that's all we're going to cover for this week. But if you would just kind of follow along as I go back through this and make a few comments on these. When it says rejoice, the next three words are real important. Rejoice in the Lord. I don't think God is calling us to rejoice just willy-nilly about every little thing that comes along. I think what he is saying is, in spite of everything that comes along, in spite of corruption, in spite of discouragement, in spite of betrayal, in spite of confusion, in spite of lawlessness, and we could go on and on and on, what do we do? I think he is calling us to rejoice, not in those things, but in the Lord who is above and over and sovereign over those things. I I think... Uh, One of the greatest examples of that is when Paul and Silas are arrested in Philippi. And even though as Roman citizens, they weren't supposed to be uh, beaten without charges and they were supposed to be treated in a certain way, what happens? They're beaten, they're put in prison, they're put in the uh, darkest part of the dungeon and they're chained up. And then what do they do at midnight? They start singing hymns to God and all of the prisoners hear them. And God did a great work and God saved the Philippian jailer. This is all in Acts chapter 16. And uh, yes, they did after it's all over kind of assert their rights as Roman citizens. But notice that that wasn't the first place that they went. And notice that in all of that they were a witness to Christ and for Christ. And there was a great movement of God because of the joy that was in their hearts that came out of their singing. Now, do you suppose their song was something like this? Um, We rejoice that we've been, you know, beaten within an inch of our lives. We rejoice that we've been unjustly treated. I don't think that was it. I got a feeling that when they were singing, they were rejoicing in the Lord, the Lord who had allowed that to happen, the Lord who had a purpose in all of that, the Lord who was over all of that, the Lord who was their deliverer. I don't know exactly what they sang, but as they began to do that, the joy of the Lord was, as Nehemiah said, their strength. And maybe so many believers today seem powerless And they seem tired all the time. And they seem to be weak because they don't really have the joy of the Lord. And Jesus promised us his joy. And notice that after it says rejoice in the Lord, there's always something in Jesus to rejoice over. Remember, it says, oh, you righteous. Lost people aren't going to get this. Lost people can't even do this. But you as a saved person can Because God has made you righteous by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says that praise from the upright 
And the upright are the people who have been made righteous, a right standing with God. And because they've been made right with God, what happens? They start living differently. They're living in an upright manner. And as they are doing that, it says that praise from them is beautiful. And then the psalmist begins to talk about praising the Lord with a harp. Are you using your talents for the Lord? Are you uh, using the skills that God has given you? Maybe using it in the choir, maybe using it in the orchestra. Maybe if God's given you skills for, you know, other things, are you using them for his glory? That seems to be the, the thrust and the principle here. It says, make melody to him with an instrument of ten strings. Not really sure uh, what that might be, some type of a harp or something. But he also talks about not just instruments, but to sing and to sing a new song. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Isn't it interesting? You hear a lot of people say, I just like the old songs. Well, there's nothing wrong with the old songs. I like singing the old songs. But did you notice that six times in the book of Psalms, which is the Hebrew national hymnal, I guess we could say, they command us to sing a new song. In other words, our walk with God is supposed to be fresh. It's supposed to be up to date. It's not supposed to be a distant memory of some time way back when, when it was really good and really great. God doesn't change. His word doesn't change. His gospel doesn't change. Why is he working in our lives the way he did a few decades ago, a few years ago? What's wrong? Well, we try to tie it down to the times change, personnel change. Uh, you know, we have different people or different relationships. Well, remember, our rejoicing is not in any of those things. Our rejoicing is in the Lord. And newsflash... He doesn't change, and he hasn't changed. The same God that gave you joy and peace and victory and all of that years ago, he's still here, and he's still the same God. And so he tells us that we are to sing the new song, play skillfully. You know, nobody likes it when uh, somebody gets up and they say, um, I'm no good at what I'm doing, but I'm going to try to bless you and bless the Lord. Um, you ought to work, you ought to practice, you ought to do your very best, play skillfully. Um, and he says, and do it with a shout of, and here we are again, a shout of joy. Not depression, not defeat, not being a spiritual Eeyore, if you've ever watched Winnie the Pooh, nothing like that at all. Why do we get so droopy? Why do we get so down? Why are we downcast on things when the Lord wants us to praise him and uh, to do it with a shout of joy? And why do we do that? Because, well, we always go back to Scripture, don't we? For the word of the Lord is right. You know, there's a lot of things in this world, a lot of things that we're exposed to, and a lot of things going on, and they're dead wrong. And isn't that frustrating? Fake news, you know, the president talks about that a lot. Hey, we've been dealing with fake news since the Garden of Eden. That's what the serpent said to Eve. You'll not surely die. You know, if you eat it, God knows that in the day you eat, your eyes will be open and you'll be as God's. I mean, you can be like him 
through sin. And isn't that interesting? We always try to be better. We try to be freer. We try to be more knowledgeable. We try to be wiser. We try to be cooler and all of that through sin. And sin takes away all of those things, doesn't it? And so uh, fake news. Been around since the Garden of Eden. And almost everything that is out in the world is a lie. There's so much untruth. There's so much bad philosophy. There's so much bad information. And that's why everything in the world has to change every few years. Everything seems to change. And even the science, you know, the uh, president-elect says we need to follow the science. You know, even the scientists aren't real sure about everything. How many foods 10, 20 years ago did they say were bad for you that now they say, oh no, that's actually good for you. I mean, how many things have changed like that? Well, the world has to do that because so much of it is based upon the lies of atheism or evolution or those type of things. And we are here to sing to the Lord, the unchanging God, and to praise Him because His Word is filled with truth. It is always always true it's always right and all of his work is done in truth God doesn't deceive you God doesn't pull the wool over your eyes God doesn't lie to you his word doesn't lead you astray it's always uh, truth and it says why that why he does everything in truth because he loves righteousness he doesn't delight in deception not like a lot of people do. You know, some politicians, you kind of get the idea they love lying to you. They love leading you astray. But not the Lord. The Lord loves righteousness and he loves justice. You know, we uh, get frustrated because we try to do the right thing and then what happens? It kind of blows up in our face. Other people do the wrong thing and they get rewarded for it. Well, guess what? The Lord's on your side. He's the one that loves Justice, right? And the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. You know, if you look for it, you're going to find it. If you look for it, you'll find it. Now, sometimes it's more obvious than it is at others. There are those times when, um, I don't know, your kids are healthy. You get a raise at work. Um, your car works great. Everything's going good. Your marriage is happy and you can see the goodness of the Lord. There are other times when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death and you're looking for God and you're looking for his goodness and uh, you don't really see it all that readily. There's a shadow there. But we forget sometimes that where there's a shadow, there's also a light. And uh, the light is hidden or obscured by something, but the reason for the shadow is because there's a light. And his rod and his staff comfort us as he walks through those things. So there's always a reason to rejoice in the Lord. And so as David kind of uh, gives us some things to think about here, um, rejoicing in the Lord, let me give you some suggestions. Number one, because of redemption. Are you saved? Are you going to heaven? Do you have the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life? Do you have the truth of the Word of God? Do you have fellowship with other believers? I mean, you've got something in your life that wouldn't be there otherwise. Uh, 
because of the redemption of God. God loved you and sent his son to die for you, to pay for your filthy, wicked sins. He took them upon himself, paid them in full, and then gave you his righteousness. What's there not to be happy about in that? Say, well, my life is so miserable, but your eternity is going to be great, and you have the presence of the Lord with you now because of his redemption. Think about what Jesus has done for you. Secondly, you can um, praise the Lord because he's given you the ability, just because you can. Notice that, um, and you should, of course, um, I find that interesting, praise the Lord with the harp. I can't play a harp. But David is calling upon those who can play the harp to do it. That's where I get that point. Just do what you can. And do it because you can. Because that's what you should do. And I don't know what you're capable of doing, but you can find a way to praise the Lord. You can find a way to rejoice in the Lord and to do something for the glory of God. You say, well, I can't sing. My dad used to uh, tease and he said, I, I can't even play the radio without static. And uh, that's kind of the way it was with him. He wasn't a musical guy. But you know what? He could find ways to uh, do other things. He was always helping someone. He had a talent for working with his hands. He had a talent for being able to uh, do mechanical things. He had a, a talent for being able to build things or repair things. Well, I know that's not exactly what uh, David was saying here. But here's the thing. If you don't have the talent to play the harp, I don't think God intends for you to praise him by playing the harp. But if you do, then you better do it. And I think the idea is do what you can. Do what he has gifted you to do. Do what he has equipped you to do because it's a, it's a good thing to do. And you are making melody um, with him whatever you were doing because you recognize the fact that he's the one that gave you that ability. Third, praise the Lord, rejoice in the Lord because he's with you. You know, when it says, sing to him a new song, I told you we were going to talk about it. It's the idea of having a song that is fresh and up to date. I don't think that it means that every time we gather in church, Brother Dale has to have new songs for us, and they have to be brand new songs, and we never repeat a song. I kind of like singing some of the Songs that Martin Luther wrote, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, back in the 1500s. It's kind of cool to me to sing some of those. But there's a difference between having a service where we just sing really old ancient songs that mean zip. That mean nothing to our lives. Because what the psalmist is talking about is not simply singing a song that has just freshly been written, but a song that has fresh meaning, fresh application. It's up to date in our lives. Now, it can be a brand new song. It can be new song with a new song with a new melody, new chords, new rhythms, new lyrics, all of those kind of things. Or it could be that... God has done something in your life so fresh and so up-to-date that you sing a song you have sung a hundred times, but it's like it's a new song. It's for right now. 
Why? Because God is with you. God's not the God simply of the past. God's not the God of the future and just leaving you in a lurch right now. God is with you everywhere you go and he never leaves you or forsakes you and the joy of the Lord is your strength and ought to be expressed in your life so rejoice in him because he's with you ask him to bless you today to use you today ask him to fill you today ask him that he might allow you to minister to someone today and let's be up to date in all of this and not just in the past and then number four, you can rejoice in the Lord because he's always right. You know, um, think about so many people that try to predict the future. A weather person, you know. You ever looked and seen how wrong that nine or ten day forecast is? I heard a professional weatherman from New York City being interviewed on a radio show. And uh, this is a big time, big time guy. And he said, let's be honest. He said, the 10 day forecast is for nothing but ratings. They tell you it's going to snow 10 days from now. That's to get you to watch the weather forecast. He said, the truth of the matter is they don't really know. And how many times have we seen that? 100% chance of snow, except they got the temperature wrong and it's 33 and not 31. So all we got was rain. Hard to pull that off, isn't it? Think about how many times people have given you an economic forecast. This is what's going to happen to the value of the dollar or the stock market or, you know, whatever. Did it happen? Well, sometimes it does. And sometimes they get close. But other times they just miss it completely. Sometimes they tell you, invest your money in this. And uh, Beanie Babies, some of you remember that. What happened there? They were going to be worth a lot of money and make you rich if you were uh, you know, careful to buy it. Well, it was a good marketing scheme, but it didn't mean anything because they can't really promise and pull it off. And, and we could probably find a whole lot of examples. In fact, there have been a lot of religious charlatans that have tried to predict the future and it didn't come true. That's how we know that they're fake. But you see, everything that the Lord does, it's right. It's always right because he's the one that is actually controlling it. And so as you wake up every morning and you receive his new morning mercies, Rejoice in the Lord. Whenever you start seeing things going on in the world and you go, oh, everything's going out of control. Just remember, he told you that before he comes again, perilous times are going to come on. Hey, rejoice in all of that. And it'll change your attitude. It'll give you opportunities to witness. It'll enhance your walk with the Lord. And it'll also give you greater impact with your family and with others. And so we need the joy of the Lord. And we need to worship the Lord. And we need to do it with those shouts of joy. And the rejoicing may not be in anything else except the fact that the Lord has redeemed us. And you know what? That ought to be enough to change everything about us. So here's the way I want to end. Rejoice in the Lord. And then take that and minister to somebody. Pray for people that are on the prayer list. Go to our website 
and uh, look under the resources tab and you'll find the newsletter. Pray for people. Minister to people. Send cards, letters, texts, whatever to uh, people in the church. Reach out to other people. Pray for other people. All of that is so important. Keep giving like you have been giving. Keep praying like you have been praying. Keep attending the services on Sunday morning and Sunday school. And let's just have a wonderful time in 2021. And whatever we're able to do and whatever we're not able to do, we'll do everything to the glory of God and with the joy of the Lord. And as we do that, we'll see him move in powerful ways. Rejoice in the Lord. Thank you for tuning in. And I hope you have a wonderful week. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday. And may the Lord bless you. God bless and thanks once again.